Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. And I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to New Books in History, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Michael Van of California State University, Sacramento. Today, I'm chatting with Jonathan Sandler about the English GI, World War II graphic memoir of a Yorkshire schoolboy's adventures in the United States and Europe. This is an adaptation of his grandfather's experience in World War II. Importantly, his grandfather, Bernard Sandler, was a British citizen of Latvian Jewish descent, but served in the American army. This book is illustrated by Brian Bicknell. Jonathan Sandler studied politics and history at Leicester University and has spent much of his career in the software industry, leading and managing complex projects. Jonathan is a keen sketcher, uh, has always been passionate about World War II history and graphic novels. In 2020, he combined these dual interests and commenced work on the English GI. Uh, this, this memoir of his grandfather, which uh, was published in 2022. Since then, Jonathan has maintained his passion for graphic novels and history by curating a blog on his website, spotlighting authors and books in the genre. Jonathan lives in London with his wife and three children who are active members of Northwest London's Jewish community. Brian Bicknell is a commercial artist and illustrator whose work with comics, graphic novels, television, film, and his work as a co-writer, illustrator, and storyboard and concept artist has appeared in the United States and internationally. Brian founded his own illustration company, Bicknell Designs, in 2008. Brian was classically trained in illustration and graphic design in Boston, Massachusetts, and he claims he can't remember a time when he was not sketching or drawing. Uh, Jonathan Sandler, Jonathan, if I may, welcome to New Books in History. Thank you. Very, very excited to chat to you. Um, and I, I'm excited to chat with you, as I told you, um, uh, about the English GI, World War II graphic memoir of a Yorkshire schoolboy's adventures in the United States and Europe. That'll be, that'll be the last time I do the full title, um, um, because it's such a great historical document, but also uh, it, it's it's such a great passion project. I mean, here's your your father's story, and like I really feel like your enthusiasm for for this history and that and you know the family significance for you um before we get into the book can you tell us a bit about your trajectory um that led to you um coming from 
a career in software to writing a graphic adaptation of your grandfather Bernard's wartime memoir? Well, I think um, looking back on it, um, I, I remember the moment I was watching a World War II in color documentary on Netflix with my son, who was about 10 at the time. He was very curious about what he saw. Um, all four of his great grandfathers had served in uniform during World War II. Uh, three of them served in the British Army as doctors, interestingly. Um, and uh, he was always, uh, you know, I, 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 we're always fascinated by World War II, where, you know, the ordinary people were called upon to do extraordinary things. Um, so I, I remembered that my father's father, had, he had a very interesting and unusual story, which we'll go into later, um, a story worthy of a book, but he, he'd actually self-published his story for friends and family in 1994. Um, so it was on the bookshelf. I wanted to make sure something, I, I just had this inkling that something needed to be done about it. Now, the other bit of context is this was lockdown. It was <laughs> Uh, COVID, probably the height of COVID in the UK, <laughs> December 2020. So I had a little bit more time on my hands than than, I than otherwise. So yeah, yeah those, it, it, that, 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 that was the era, that was the golden era of podcasting too, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lots, lots of us started podcasting and lots of us started listening to a lot of podcasts. Um, yeah, it's so funny. I was actually listening to a podcast uh, the other day and um, it was, uh, he, he, he said that, um, you know, during lockdown, uh, cartoonists typically sit in a room and and that's what they do. And <laughs> during, during lockdown, everyone else got to be um, uh, living like cartoonists, except <laughs> they weren't making comics. <laughs> or, or or historians. Uh, we all, we spent a lot of time locked in rooms, <laughs> locked in locked in libraries and archives around the world. Exactly. So I, I, I did spend a lot of time sort of, you know, in the evenings where we weren't going out or doing anything, sort of researching and being locked in a room. <laughs> So, so he had he had published his memoir in 1994. Um, this was, you know, around, and you wanted to to yeah give it a bigger audience. Um, exactly. I mean, it was very much a self-published book uh, for a limited audience. It was dusty. It was sitting on the bookshelf. I just felt when I reread it, it's an extraordinary story. I need to do something with it. Yeah. So, there's there's you know, could it be a film? And that was <laughs> could it be a play? Um, could I rewrite the book? You know, yeah. there was the many options uh, uh, that I could do. So yeah. that was really the so so the surprise surprise uh, that the path you took was uh, adapting it into a um, a graphic memoir. Um, and I'm yeah, I'm I'm so happy you used the term graphic memoir. I've been fighting this battle against calling everything uh, a graphic novel because novels are works of fiction, right? Like I I did a graphic history. This is a graphic memoir. Um, uh, Trevor Getz told me to uh, to chill out and just let people call things graphic novels, but no, no, not everything's a novel. So you adapted um, your father's published memoir into this graphic memoir. Um, why, why the comic format? I mean, what did that offer to it's, you? Just from the first day, it's funny you say that about whether you yeah. call it a graphic memoir. I was actually listening to a podcast by Dan Klaus and one of the great artists, and he just hates the term graphic novels, but, you know, he <laughs> says, well, until we come up with a better one, <laughs> it's, 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 and I, I think Scott McLeod, um, he said that what is a graphic novel well it's a comic with a spine that's basically his definition of it so yeah uh, but graphic memoir is definitely becoming a new a new term that's being used for specifically for graphic novels or comics that are essentially 
memoirs or biographies. Uh, but yeah, what, what the big question, why why did I choose to go for that form? Well, it was a pretty instinctive decision. I mean, I, I'd always been into comics. Um, I had been on a graphic novel writing course, maybe you know, a comic course about three or four years earlier. And I just... I think when you, you start a project like that, it was an instinctive, you know, I'm just going to do this and I'm going to start it in a very incremental way. I wasn't like, well, this is going to be a fully published book. Let's just start. Let's do a few pages and and, and, and sort of see where you go. Um, I bought George Takai's They Called Us Enemy about uh, Japanese uh, internment during World War II. So that was, you know, I saw that was an option of doing it in, in, in that type of way. That was a very accessible book. Um, so my other thoughts were, yeah, I think if you, if I was to have adapted it into a book, then realistically, there's just so many books out there. Um, people I might give as a present to, to family, close friends, family, they, they may have it and put it on the shelf and never get around to reading it. Whereas, um, a graphic novel is, is a much more, is a quicker read ultimately. Um, it's a bit like uh, again. Uh, I was listening to another podcast. Someone said, a "Graphic novel is like a movie. It's you, know, you can read it in an hour and a half, two hours. A bit like a, a bit like a movie, and 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 one or maybe one or two sittings. So it's very accessible, um, and it's for a whole. Uh, you know, it's for young adults and 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 adults. So you know, I, I don't. I think this is pretty universal. This book, and that's one of the great things about it. So accessibility." Um, and novelty, originality. Yeah, I just, there's not many uh, graphic novels have been written about World War II. And I'll probably come on to that a bit later. Um, so, yeah, I did think there was a market for it. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I've always been of the opinion that, um, you know, the best sort of graphic genre is a story that really has a hook that, uh, that, that, that it does something really unexpected. And, your grandfather's life uh life is is very unexpected in this way um so would you um give us the the short version of your grandfather's experience um to, uh, up to the point of becoming uh the uh this the english gi i mean he's he's the british son uh british citizen of of latvian jewish immigrants um uh who by chance wound up in the american army so so without yeah, the short, how did this come to be yeah, the, the short story is simple. I mean, he um, firstly he grew up in in northern England. In a um, his his father had emigrated also when he was seventeen uh, from Latvia to England, and he uh, they led a very I would say middle class um, comfortable upbringing in northern England um, in the nineteen twenties and nineteen thirties. Um, in 1939, he was at a school called Leeds Grammar School. They were doing a trip to the United States and Canada, which seems quite extraordinary, really, that they were traveling that far. But there was, I think it was maybe 17 or 18 kids from across the north of England went on this trip. And um, yeah, it was, it was they, they, they left in August 1939 and they had a great time. And then they were due to come back on the 3rd or the 4th of September uh 1939 and of course that was when neville chamberlain declared war um and uh the queen mary ship which he was due to sail on was not traveling so he was stuck in new york and uh so this essentially this not uh, book tells a story from 
how this 17 year old navigated his way from young schoolboy coming of age to becoming an adult. So there's lots of ups and downs during the story, but essentially he does join the U S army um, later on in the book. And, in, 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 in drafted in, right. I mean, it's drafted in. Yeah. yeah even yeah. though, even though he's a, um, a British uh, national, how, how old was he in 1939? So 1939, he was 16. He would have been 17 on the October, 1939. So yeah. So when so he, he, gets, he, he gets stuck there, he, 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 there's uh, family relations or are they family friends or family uh, family friends that he friends. doesn't know too well but they yeah. took him they took him on and that was they were a academic couple uh in their early 40s late 30s early 40s who'd had a young son who was about three so they lived in a and he uh, he was a teacher at a school in, in in chelsea manhattan so they 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 didn't have a lot of uh income the this 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 family but they they took him on and, and it was it was a really it was a must have been an awkward situation but yeah that was, and, that was and there's i mean there's that period there where the, the uh britain well nazi germany has invaded poland uh, starting the war britain and france have, have jumped in but the united states isn't going to enter the war for uh until the end of 1941 and so he's he's stuck he can't get back yeah uh he lives with the family he enrolls in local high school finishes his degree yeah. and of course you know we we always look back so oh well america will join the war two years later we didn't know at the time <laughs> no no didn't know that at the time and, 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 and people like charles Lindbergh had different ideas right exactly. um, um, yeah. it, it was a very precarious time um you know in the united states i'd, I'd be keen to understand more of the history around that time the bond yeah. was was on the rise mm -hmm. in the u.s and um yeah it could have gone either way um so and of course, it could have gone either way in um, the Battle of Britain of 1940. So he didn't know if he was going to see his parents again. It was a very precarious time, uh, a lot of uncertainty. Um, so, but the other bit of context was obviously if he'd been back in in Britain, you know, that they were they were on the war front in the U.S. Life was uh, relatively comfortable. You know, it wasn't a war situation, so it was safe. Yeah, yeah, and so he's he's going through high school, graduates high school, goes on to goes on to college, and then um, Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. Uh, FDR declares war on Nazi Germany. Uh, there's the draft, and so he how how does how does he get drafted? I mean, he's he's a British well, citizen, it's interesting. right? The, yeah, so it's a bit of a so so I've done quite a bit of research on yeah. other contemporaries. Yeah, he was born in 1922, so it's almost like if you were born in 1922 and 23, you almost had this route, this pathway. Yeah. <laughs> um, you were he was they had a number of drafts, so he was drafted along with quite a depending on your birth date. So 30th of June. 1942 he drafted it was it was actually doing a summer job in washington dc at the time um but then he went back to his life um he was then enrolled in the u.s he joined the u.s army in march 1943 to, to do his basic training he went to fort dix um and interestingly at the end of the 12-week training he sat some exams and he passed those exams and the U.S. government had a program called the Army Specialized Training Program, called the ASTP. And 100,000 people were enrolled in 100 universities and colleges across the U.S. And the U.S. government wanted to train more engineers. And he was part of this cadre. And uh, this was, I suppose, this, this group of people were not expecting to go into 
to, to battle. <laughs> they were expecting to become engineers. I think the government wanted them to clean up the mess in Japan and Germany after the war. I think that was so. Um, yeah, he had a good time. He went to, to various uh, colleges. Um, I think it was in, in Vermont. But the 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 interesting thing is um, that cadre of people had a shared experience. Um, the people that were in the STP were sort of gliding along. And then in March, February time, March 1944, US government, basically they'd run out of troops. Um, so the ASTP was disbanded. And they all, well, I think the vast majority of that 100,000 ended up on the front lines in battle. So, so um, the, the, these guys that have been given this high level education, training to be engineers, are certainly you know it put put down the the compass and the slide rule and put on your boots you're going to what was that tennessee well they they or, they, they weren't all immediately going yeah. into battle a lot of them joined uh they're, to, they're, they're thrown into the infantry right uh, yeah exactly and there was yeah. a real culture shock and there's quite a yeah. lot of, yeah a lot of um i mean yeah so there was quite a uh, i mean i've probably read a dozen or so biographies or skim through biographies of, of people. So, I mean, such people as Bob Dole, um, the, the the famous, uh, he was former U.S. presidential candidate, Bob Dole, Senator Dole, he was one of them. Mel Brooks, the comedian, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was also. Uh, Ed Koch, former mayor of New York. Uh, hmm. Gore Vidal, um, the artist Roy Lichtenstein. I mean, the list goes on, actually. There is some really um, able people that uh were on uh, that were in this program and they ended up uh so he he ended up in 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 his in his training i think he went down to fort knox it's in the book and then ultimately you know that that's that for the pathway to um to battle but just on that subject of the yeah. astp whilst i'm there since i've uh, published the book. I've, I've noticed there's so many memoirs of people that were in the astp and there was an article um written by somebody um, called Tom Kelly for Drexel University for his alumni magazine. He, he made the observation that there seems to be a lot of memoirs written by people that were in the ASTP. I mean, there was, you know, it was maybe a hundred thousand, but there were 16 million people that ultimately were in the U S uh, armed forces during world war II. But we, so I think, us, you know, and I also wrote a similar blog about it. We sort of theorized that maybe, the reasons were they were able people they ended up going on to have successful lives um which gave them the economic means to write memoirs um but they also had quite an interesting story uh because they went from one extreme to the other and there was a there was a sense of betrayal um amongst some of these people they 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 didn't they were thrown from one end to the other i didn't get it so much across in my grandfather's book he 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 just put a line together um you know something about well this is a huge about turn by the u.s government you know this was in their wisdom this was the right things but yeah it's very difficult you know to plan in the war uh, so yeah. um but no, yeah I was, it, I was so it, struck with that just in terms of you know uh but be really banal about it in terms of labor management here you got your best and your brightest you've been training them for uh this very high level desk work um and abrupt change and they're getting thrown into the infantry, which is, um, you know, with all due respect, um, not, not, uh, it's, 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 it's a much lower level of training and, uh, run, runs the potential for being, 
used as cannon fodder. Um, I mean, it's it's yeah. it, it must have been was, su such a cultural was, shock, as you said. There was a whisper of I think there was an election coming up, or it, there, there was there was certainly some congressional districts felt that the um, the people in the ASDP were being mollycoddled a little bit. So, you know, there was a bit of that may have influenced the decision. I don't know, but there's there's, there's certainly it's a topic I've certainly didn't know anything about before I wrote this book, yeah, but yeah. it's just, you know, when I read it, you know, I just, I didn't have a huge amount of interest in it. But then when I read the other memoirs, everybody had exactly the same story. It sort of built up a bit of a, um, the, the, there was a commonality there. So, okay. yeah. So, so um, yeah, that's, um, that, that, that was sort of, he, he had, as we see in the book, there are lots of ups and downs, and then, and then, of course, you know, he he will enter the the, the action in in Europe in, in forty four. Yeah, but you know, before we get into uh, when you when they're deployed to Europe, um, meanwhile, human lives go on, and I think what's really wonderful about your uh, this book is is the way that he's he's it's so humanized, and it, it reminds me, well, I mean, that you know, sort of the Ur text of of Mouse, where in the the this larger horror of the show of the Holocaust and World War Two, you're you're following these individuals' lives, and um, Bernard is, is is falling in love and courting the woman that will become his wife, um, uh, who's an American, right? That's right. That's right. Um, yeah, my, my grandmother was was uh, her family originally came from Austria. Um, they emigrated to New York in sort of the early part of the 20th century and started out on the Lower East Side, which uh, a lot of um, immigrants from the Austro-Hungarian Empire, Jewish immigrants did. Um, but uh, yeah, they they she, they they fell in love. And New York's, I mean, one of the things I wanted to try and get across, not only he, he fell in love with my grandmother, but he fell in love with New York. Yeah, and and, yeah. and, and the, this was a time to be in New York. So, you know, he, although he was sort of in this uh, situation, he wouldn't have chosen yeah, he, he had to, uh, to take advantage of the situation. So he goes, he discovers Broadway, he discovers jazz, he discovers the multicultural city where he, I, I doubt he'd seen many uh, African American or, or black people. Um, yeah, he, he he's living in New York and it is a really multicultural environment, you know, the, the most he's seen. So, uh, and, and there's just so much to discover. And, and it, and it, it formed his outlook for the rest of his life. He became, yeah, uh, you know, his political views were very much to the left. Um, as a result of this, his his he became uh, a big. Yeah, you know, he 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 became uh, commercially successful in his in his business life. So he dedicated a lot of his time to the arts uh, in later life, and um, his you know, he had a lifelong passion for the theatre, and and that was formed during that time in in the early 1940s in New York. So one of the things I wanted, you know, this wasn't just a this is a World War II story, but it's about being in New York during that time and just the yeah the, yeah. The, but it, it it reminds me so much of some of these really interesting um, biographies in the field of world history that are coming out where they're finding like a, a, uh, an individual character. Uh, Susan Colley, a great historian of the British Empire, has a book on Elizabeth Marsh, who was um, uh, uh, a young, um, possibly mixed race mixed race British woman who. Um, uh, was born on a ship between Jamaica and the United Kingdom, wound up um, uh, 
living with the naval her navy family in in Mallorca, and then was taken prisoner by Moroccan pirates, and then uh, went on to India, and and it has like she's just this one individual whose life is shaped by the British Empire in ways that are are really quite surprising. And I think that this uh, this story is such a great example of um, following these these intricacies and in these details and these these stories that we're not as familiar with in, in World War II by following this one individual's life. So I, I, anyway, I I, I I it's just such a great work of history in, in that regard. But anyway, getting back to uh, the narrative. So um, they're mobilized to Europe in, in 1944, and he sees combat in, um, in Lorraine, um, the part of Alsace-Lorraine, that infamous territory mm-hmm. that gets you know, every schoolboy knows gets bounced back and forth between France and Germany from 1870, 1944. So tell, tell us about the, the campaign and his, his experience. Yeah. I mean, we, we always associate, we, we associate uh, Alsace-Lorraine with, yeah, with the, with the first world war. Um, again, I didn't know too much about this campaign. So he was, um, you know, the, he, he left um, New York city on the 27th of August, 1944. Uh, there were the first infantry troops to sail directly from the US uh, to uh, Europe. He was part of the 26th Division. Um, and, and that in itself must have been spectacular, this armada of 100 ships leaving New York City, and I hopefully capture some of that in the book. Um, but they, they arrive in, in Normandy. It was after, it was September 1944, D-Day had happened. And and, and the first few weeks um, were, were relatively quiet. Um, you know, Paris had fallen. Um, but they uh, eventually move over to the the Lorraine. Or, or, um, Paris Paris had been liberated. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Paris had been liberated. The fall was nineteen forty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Paris had been liberated. Excuse me. Excuse me. That's a, um, so yeah, but Paris had been liberated. So so there was a sense the war was being won or, or was coming to a conclusion. Um, but they he his division the twenty sixth joined up with Patton's third mm. army and they were you know it was a. It was a brutal uh, couple of months, um, and, and and it went on, you know, to the but. But this was sort of the the time leading up to the Battle of the Bulge. But but you know what I wanted to get across is just it was just the conditions were terrible. So they in November 1944 they just had more rain that month than they'd ever had. It was just the the circumstances, and and again uh, the U.S. Army. Um, had given them the best military equipment um, and that helped them win the war. But what the US Army had failed to do was provide enough galoshes, a waterproof equipment. And there was an epidemic of trench foot. Um, my grandfather ultimately suffered from trench foot. Um, and then when I read all these other memoirs, they all had the same thing. Um, and at the time, trench foot wasn't considered to be a proper injury. Yeah, it was just ah, it's just yeah. You know, I think I think you cited a um, sort of a snotty uh, uh, article where someone said no purple hearts for purple feet. Exactly. I think it was an article in the Stars and Stripes newspaper. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That's what it said. No problem. And uh, yeah, so so it's just interesting how these little things, uh, you know, I, I'm sure, again, planning and management <laughs> for the US Army, they had, they said, the best equipment, but not 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 the um, not enough waterproof equipment. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah. But that, that section reminded me so much of uh, the work of Paul Fussell, uh, The Great War and Modern Memory. And then I forget that the name of his um, his second book on World War Two, which was um which was subject to a fair amount of criticism, but the banality of war. And um, I mean, yeah, there's this condescending article in stars and stripes about trench foot, but like you could lose your feet. Like this is this, I mean, you, you, you could, this could uh, leave you severely disabled. Um, And it's, but it's such a banal thing um, being stuck in these. Exactly. And he, and he actually had quite a long, long recovery as a result of it, which in some ways was fortunate for him because that, that meant that some, he he you know he 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 was only in the theater of war for maybe four or five weeks um yeah, yeah he was in the but, army for quite a long time but that yeah. that was the- and and had a fairly harrowing experience um as as you described so i mean i think the book is really frank about um both the bravery but also the fear and dread um of, yeah. of combat and i was curious about how you how how your grandfather presents that in the memoir and then how how you went about sort of translating that and, and capturing that balance uh between bravery and dread shall we say yeah he he um so firstly um my grandfather wrote his memoir in 94 so that that's my primary source and you know up to that point in in history the memoirs the history was written by the people that were the generals um so we saw, uh, you know, he was, yeah, and also the, the the veterans of World War II. You know, most most people went back to work, and the greatest generation, as we call them, and you know, they had their day jobs, their families, and they they wanted to get on with life. So nobody had written memoirs. That memoirs of what I call the citizen soldier memoir, the ordinary soldier memoir. That that sort of. So he was probably one of the early ones writing it in '94. But there was, you know, since that point, around sort of the 2000 year 2000 mark um as they were sort of entering their 70 yeah they would be 75 years old um a lot more memoirs came out and a lot of these memoirs are pretty you know, you know yeah the occasional one talk about the camaraderie and the you know how, how what a great time they had but i think actually those who served on the front lines and and actually not that many i think maybe 1 million out of 16 million uh, U.S. Armed Forces were actually served in combat. Um, so those that actually were in d- d- didn't romanticize the war. I think it was it, there was nothing other than the, a, a brutal reality. He hated it. And I so so from from to answer the question for for me, um, I just wanted to, I wanted to remain faithful to his words um, and really just get across that this is just this is just yeah there's nothing fun about it yeah it was just describing the day-to-day the mundanity of it there was a lot of waiting around um and you know there was just you just wanted it to be over that was there was nothing yeah, yeah. i don't know about you but i'm very busy and i don't have a lot of time to cook that's why i subscribe to factor eating better is easy with factors delicious ready to eat meals every fresh never frozen meal is chef crafted dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes you'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week including calorie smart protein plus and keto these are two minute meals 
Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com NBN50 and use code NBN50 to get 50% off. That's code NBN50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50 percent off Com- combat's been described as a uh, uh, tedium punctuated by moments of sheer terror um and i mean again it reminds me so much of paul fussell's work um so how this is a, a important theme in the book and I, I think that the book could be put in several different categories of you know it's, it's world war ii history it's a memoir it's also a contribution to jewish history and how important was his Jewish identity in to his experience of World War II? Uh, you have a section where um, he, there's there's a moment of anxiety as uh, they come closer to combat with German troops. Um, so could, could you reflect on that? Yeah, no, absolutely. So so I, as um, you know, very much um, an active member of the Jewish community, I wanted the Jewishness of the book to, to at least come out. Um, my grandfather was very much an active Jew all his life. Um, I... If I'm being honest, from his memoir, he didn't he didn't get too much of that across. I think you know, as a Jewish person, you can be a little bit invisible to it. I think um, he uh, you know he he was also an outsider being a British person, <laughs> being in the U.S. Army. Never mind being a Jew. Um, so I um, this is where I went for some other sources. There was a couple of uh, just to to give the book a bit more richness, there was one was the memoir written by somebody called Robert Kotlovitz. Robert Kotlovitz became he wrote a very good memoir um, in the mid two thousands. Um, he called Before Their Time, and he served in the twenty sixth Infantry. Pretty much his story it mirrored my grandfather's. He was in the he was in the ASTP. He he went he sailed on the twenty seventh of August. Yeah, ever. I think he got injured with trench foot. Every, everything in, in the story was the same. Um, but he he wrote in his memoir how his his anxiety about having a dog tag uh, that said H on it. Now, I don't know if my grandfather did have a dog tag that said H on it. I'm pretty sure he would have done. What were the options? It was very interesting uh, in doing the research that there, was the, there were three options. It was P for Protestant, C for Catholic, or H for Jewish. Those are the only three options. Um, so some people may have lied or, or, or decided they want to be, even if they were Jewish, put P or C, just to because the biggest fear was if you got captured um, by the Nazis um, and you had an H for Hebrew on it, you know, you could, you know, that that wasn't a good place to be. Um, and then some said, well, why, do, you know, you could maybe get rid of your dog tags. That was even the worst thing was to get rid of your dog tags because then they would have thought you were a spy uh, or something to hide. So there must have been an anxiety there. Um, and there were a lot of uh, Jewish prisoners of war um, taken. But I think by the end of the war, I think a lot of them did did survive because by that point, you know, the, the, the uh, Germans were not in a position to um, uh, do what they would have liked. Um so that was one story. And the other one was uh, there was another um, set of letters published by Benjamin Kaplow, uh, who was a, who was um, uh, 
uh, a soldier again at the same time. And he he wrote one of his letters about um, services, which I found really interesting. They had Jewish New Year services um, in September 1944. Uh, and I just thought, well, this, 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 I couldn't believe that they that the U.S. Army um, had Jewish services um, at that time. I, I just thought that was quite remarkable. I don't think the British Army would have done. They did have a prayer book. I know they had chaplains, but just I thought that was quite forward looking mm. <laughs> at the time. So I really wanted to capture that scene. I mean, that would have been quite a moving scene. And there is also a scene of him having uh, the Jewish New Year earlier on in the book. So that that sort of is, is, is quite um uh, poignant so yeah those are the two stories i wanted to make sure that they're in the book um but overall from a personal point of view um i wanted to make sure that you know this is very much a jewish story um the jewish contribution to the uh, allied effort was 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 quite significant and sometimes people forget about it so this was a, a nice reminder of that yeah and in the the end of the book there's 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 um short essays you give some context uh both about the uh, about the war but also about um uh, your grandfather bernard's life and 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 after the war as, as you've mentioned he, he was successful in, in business and and successful in the arts and uh in theater and became friends with uh, Rod Dahl. and when i saw that i was like oh no uh-oh <laughs> well, where's this going and you include this moment where um your father broke with him and they were they were they were close friends correct yeah, I think they were they were business acquaintances. But acquaintances they were, yeah. I mean, they had each other over for for, for dinner. So I suppose mm-hmm. that's so. So they they um, my grandfather had eaten in Roald Dahl's house. Roald Dahl had eaten in his house. So so that was you know, you know they would phone each other up. Um, it was it was when I say business, it was you know in the they were both in the theatre world. So um, Roald Dahl famously wrote uh, there was an interview in 1983 with a. Uh, a magazine in the UK called The New Statesman. And Roald Dahl uh, said that Jews didn't fight in the Second World War for the Allies, which was a complete fabrication. Um, you know, if he'd written it, if he'd said that nowadays, that would have just, you know, in the world of Twitter and what have you, <laughs> I'm sure that would have been bigger. But, you know, it just sort of, he, 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 yeah, it was it was a disgraceful moment, really. And, and my grandfather, uh, yeah, he, he said, I, I don't know how a man of your intelligence can say something so um so stupid really so that that broke them off um so yeah there was i i wanted to use so so the graphic novel um is there it covers the war years um and um i when i read a book i don't know about you but when i read a book or i watch a film i'm always on wikipedia i'm always wanting to find out more information especially if it's a biopic so it was my own book um so i i felt that you know i published this myself i wanted to really include every every reference uh, every bit of information you know some readers may choose to not to not to go there but at least it's there it's all in there so it's it's, well, I, it's I, I thought i thought it was fabulous and encourage everybody to read all of it and um you know as a historian i this is this is sort of the the add-on work that you did that i think just is great for his yeah his memoir. exactly because you you watch films or you see graphic novels and sometimes you know for for um Poetic license, you have to do certain things yep. just to make it flow. But then, yeah, at the end, well, this is actually, yeah, the explanation for it. I, I, I think that adds a adds a bit of a layer. Right. And um, one of the things that you did with uh with the book is um, you you have these references to the Jewish Latvian heritage throughout the mm-hmm. book, and um, uh, 
cover a point where um, your grandfather and your great grandfather make a make a trip to to visit Latvia, and this is they have to cross through Nazi Germany, and this is in was in thirty six, thirty seven. 1937. Yeah. So, I mean, geez. And then, and then, and then also at the, uh, towards the end of the book, you, you talk about, um, the extended family and their experience in the Shoah and, um, and moments of reuniting with, uh, with survivors. I mean, I, I thought both of those were just so fascinating because it, it gives this larger context, both within the, the, the family history of this diasporic family, but also in, in the nature of, um, World War Two and um, things going on in multiple fronts and, and these these real I mean really horrifying real life consequences for these extended families. Indeed, I mean it, it was it was a I mean you know World War Two. There's all these parallel stories for, for some families happening at the same time. So my 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 grandfather's father was was in England. Um, he 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 had a son fighting for the U.S. Army. Um, he had his two brothers two of his brothers were fighting for the red army <laughs> for the russian red army um his mother was um sent to the uh to the gulags um and unfortunately some uh his his, his, his sister-in-law um and his uh, a niece and a nephew unfortunately perished in the in in, in the shoah so there was a lot happening yeah, yeah, just 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 uh, just to, to 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 underline that there, part one member of the family gets sent uh, to Stalin's gulags uh, for various repression in in uh, Soviet occupied Latvia, right? And then on the other side of the the political line of totalitarian horror, members of the family are perishing in, in the Shoah. Um, I mean, it's that is it is just so. I, I I don't know quite how to put that in words, like how personally and historically powerful that that is yeah i mean it's the the the, so my grandfather uh or sorry my would have been my great-grandfather he left latvia in 1910 and i think once you leave uh, you you leave and and he 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 was very fortunate he he assimilated into british life and he, he yeah he loved he loved Britain and he, he made a successful life for him. And, and, you know, there was no real going back, but he left his mother and two brothers behind and, and the various family. And I think, you know, he was in contact. He would send parcels over. But in 1937, he decided this was time to, to make that trip back. It hadn't been in 20s. And this is captured in the book. And the aim of that trip was to bring them back to England, but they they refused. They they thought they were better off, and and actually, remarkably, um, they did. Uh, his his mother, who was um, so she she survived. Um, she went to the gulags. They were treated apparently okay, and and she came back after the war. And there is two pictures. Uh, there's two photographs of the family, one before the war, one after the war, and you can see how much she's aged in the photo but it's still a remarkable thing that she survived and and my grandfather bernard he he went to visit that family in latvia in 1995 i think um sort of to square the circle (laughs) um and um yeah it's 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 just a you know it was you know this is mainly a world war ii book about his time as 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 a gi but i wanted to make sure that that 
that thread was still still in the book. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I thought that really added so much to it. And again, it just, this this diasporic family, this this individual who's caught up in the these winds of history, these forces that are, you know, outside of his control. Um, I was wondering if you could say a few, uh, maybe say something about his name. I mean, Bernard was not his first name, right? So he he was always known as Bernard. He was actually named uh-huh. Karl, um, which was considered to be a German name when he Ka- grew up. Karl, yeah. Um, and well, it is a German name. So in 1930s, uh, England, it wasn't a great idea having a name like Carl. So they, he was just known as Bernard after that. And, and dropped, dropped the Carl for the middle name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, we talked a bit about um, identity and, and the diasporic nature. I mean, it, I was going to ask you more about that, but is there anything else that you wanted to, to say about that? What, 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 do you, what did you want to do with the book in regards to issues of identity? Um, I think, yeah, in terms of identity, uh, yeah, I mean, I've I've talked about the Jewish aspect. I think there's the, you know, know, for me, it's Jewish, British and American. I've I've covered covered those three areas. He he has to become an American citizen at one point. Yeah, yeah. And Did uh, Did he maintain that citizenship? He did. He did. He did. He yeah. But he but he chose ultimately to 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 live in in England um, at the conclusion of the war. Um, he was too close to his family. Um, yeah. They 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 visited quite a lot, but yeah, England was his home. Um, and he, 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 he married a sweetheart from New York, who becomes yeah. your grandmother, right? And, yeah. and, uh, and they, they, they moved they, to England. They moved back to England, and and a lot of yeah, that's that. There was just this. He had this huge bond with his family. Um, and he missed his family. He hadn't seen them in, in five or six years. And you know, sometimes it's not so much the happy ending. You know, after you know all that period apart, you you don't go back to each other. You, it, it's that, that separation is too much. But in this case, um, he he just seamlessly went back into that life. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's um, that's the story. Yeah, you know, as as the father of a teenager, I can't imagine my my child, you know, <laughs> on yeah. on on a three week vacation, suddenly being trapped on the other side of the world and eventually serving in another country's armed force. I mean, it could, it's a, really, really just such a fascinating I think story. That's, that's what the you know, World War Two just there's just so there's yeah. still so many stories we're just still discovering. Um, um, just order about ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances, and this is why it's just another one of those stories that um, I felt that I wanted to be captured for a wider audience yeah yeah um if um i don't know if you're familiar with uh sugar mizuki's um uh showa no, oh, not, yeah. to, not right. to be confused with showa, confused showa. With um yeah. his, his his history Excellent of book. Yeah. japan and world war ii and the, um the way he brings his own life into it and the the insights into everyday experience of the war i mean just absolutely yeah. um oh, absolutely book. stunning achievement <laughs> It's that everyday, you know, what people were doing with their everyday lives. That's that. That's for me. What you know, you, you, you we we've read enough history about the politics of it, but it's yeah. just just the yeah. You know, how do people feel? What do they do with their, their lives? And that's why you know, these graphic novels can can really bring that up about. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think the English GI is just a great contribution to that. Um, could could you talk say a few words about working with your illustrator um and oh, yeah. your, the process and the technique because that's um for those of us who aren't artists and uh I mean I I've I've done this and it's how, how did you do it 
yeah, yeah I, I'd never done it before. Um, so it was all experimentation. So the way in which I work, firstly, I found Brian. I, I, I was went to a website and I had about 50 or 60 people applied. I, I, I said I wanted to work collaboratively with an artist, uh, but have the final say. That didn't necessarily suit everyone, um, but Brian definitely wanted to be part of the project. What I would do, I wanted to protect his time. Um, so I would research and mine the internet for photos of whether it be 1940s New York or World War II, or, you know, I really wanted to get the details. I wanted, you know, if you went to Fort Dix, I want to, I want photos of Fort Dix. I want what the insides of the buildings look like. Um, if you went to New York, you went to this synagogue in New York at one scene or this hotel. I want, the, what do the light fittings look like? And that's you know, quite common with graphic novels. People people want that authenticity, and that's certainly what I wanted. So um, we had a lot of uh, photos to, to go through, and um, what I would then do was sketch out the scenes um, myself. Um, my art isn't quite good enough uh, for what I wanted, So, but, it, but what it allowed me to do was not just send them the photographs, but actually... Um, by drawing it, it made me understand what it's like for the illustrator and gives me a bit of perspective about how it how it should look like. So I sketched out a lot of the scenes um, and then I gave it to Brian and then Brian basically made it better. <laughs> um, and we, 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 the way in which we worked, we just did page by page, uh, sort of chronologically. And I felt I was almost living, living my grandfather's war experiences as a, the, the actual journey and experience in creating the, the graphic novel was was quite important to me and, you know, I wanted to really enjoy the actual project itself rather than just getting to the end uh, and then of course once we get to the end then we you, know, you start the editing process and but um one thing I I one of the, the discoveries um that I wanted to highlight was um there was a soldier called Victor Lundy who's now he's still alive he's 100 years old lives in Bel Air in Houston um and he again he was in the 26th division he served in the ASTP. <laughs> same story, born in 1922. Pretty much the same story as my grandfather. Went on the same boat, got injured at the same time. Victor Lundy, um, and now became a very famous architect. He sketched out his entire war. He's got these incredible sketchbook um, that is now, he actually donated it to the Library of Congress. Um, so the front cover of the book, is um not the background but the two soldiers looking out to see that that was that was a real live sketch he took 26th of uh, or it says 26th of august uh looking out to see just before they they set out um and you know what great what greater source material so he had the source materials of the memoirs but this was a this was a live sketchbook sort of source material and 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 and, and you know yeah, that was great for the artist as well. It was just wonderful to have this um, this this uh, sketchbook. And um, yeah, there's been maybe three or four books written about Victor Lundy and his and his World War II experience. Um, uh, there's YouTube videos. Uh, really interesting man, as I said, still alive. Celebrated his hundredth birthday in January. Actually, it was January. Uh, he was born December uh, January 2023. Yeah, yeah, those. In in working with the illustrator, finding those historic documents, uh, just you, you can do such amazing things. Um, and at the end of the book, you include a number of photographs and family photographs. Um, why were these important? Why did you want to include them? So I, again, I I think 
the 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 end of the book is you know you you read the graphic novel you know if you don't know my grandfather he's you know this this person that that becomes schoolboy to soldier to you know this coming of age story and i i think it's always you know again it's the going back to the wikipedia you want to see what 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 do they look like in real life what you know so most of the people that are are mentioned in the book are are photographed um and uh, again, you know, I, I had the photos of his of, of of the Latvian family that were mentioned in the book. That that was really important for me. And, and there's also uh, images of the Victor Lundy sketches um, that I wanted to get across. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I I, I love that kind of stuff personally, and just just seeing looking at their faces and contemplating uh, them and. Um, and it, exactly. it includes some of the images from from uh, from Latvia, the uh, family from Latvia as well. Which uh... yeah, I mean, I, there, there was I was in two minds. There was a part of me that was thinking, and I know there's 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 no right answer. There's there's some graphic novels um, that include real photographs, you know, as they go through the book. Um, I just decided, you know, what, I'm just going to keep keep the graphic novel as a graphic novel, and then have the photographs at the back. Um, keep it keep it separate. So you've been really generous with your time, but I've got two questions before I let you go. These are the the standard uh, new books debriefing questions. Um, uh, first, can you suggest two books for the audience? Um, this could be on anything, but uh, I know you keep a blog about graphic novels and graphic memoirs. Um, uh, maybe something that you can recommend. Sure. Um, well, as a w- w- first book I want to spotlight is written by somebody called Andre Fratino. He published a World War II graphic novel called Tokyo Rose uh, last year, uh, and it tells the story of Eva Taguri. She was a Japanese-American woman visiting her relatives in Tokyo shortly before the attack on Pearl Harbor. Uh, And then she was trapped in Japan. Um, She refused to renounce her American citizenship, and she was forced to take a radio, a job with Radio Tokyo hosting Zero Hour as a propaganda broadcast aimed at demoralizing the American troops. Um, and she became known as Tokyo Rose. Um, she eventually went back to the United States and was not treated very well. Um, so Andrew Fratino wanted to capture this story into a graphic novel. And again, I, I highly recommend it. Um, the second one um, is called Through Their Eyes, A Graphic History of Hill 70 and Canada's First World War. It's written by somebody called Matthew Barrett. Matthew Barrett is a historian uh, and a graphic novelist, um, and he he's he's got he holds a PhD in history from Queen, Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario, um, and he wrote a full color graphic or wrote and illustrated a full color graphic novel that depicts the Canadian victory at Vimy Ridge in 1917. Um, so yeah, both those books uh, come recommended. Great. Um, and I'm I'm gonna take some liberties and throw one in here on the theme of um graphic history and British Jewish history. And that's uh Ronald Schechter's um Mendoza the Jew, Boxing, Manliness, and Nationalism, a graphic history. And this is about uh Mendoza, the the great uh um uh British heavyweight champion um around, at the start of the 19th century, who um uh, was uh from a Sephardic uh East London family. Oh, yes. Yeah. And yeah. um I've, I've uh at um University of London Queen Mary, um uh there's uh which is part of the campus is on is on a uh is a Jewish graveyard. There's there's a plaque to him. Uh, and I think he's he's buried there. And um Ronald Schechter does so much with the way in which um, 
uh, Mendoza challenged uh, Britishness and and forced uh, forced a, a larger thinking of what it meant to be to be a Britisher in this time period. Um, and again, it's a it's a graphic history. It's in the Oxford series. Liz Clark did an amazing job illustrating mm-hmm. that because she's yeah. she's a genius. Um, yeah. But but I'm biased there. <laughs> um, and then um, finally, what are you working on now, and and what can we hope to see from you next? So yeah, I, I always said when I finished the the book, I wanted uh, and then finished the sort of the promotional stuff. I wanted to just dis, to spend a year, two years, just reading and enjoying other graphic novels um, and World War II books. I, I don't exclusively read graphic novels. And there's just so much out there um, really to, to discover. Um, so, you know, to to sort of channel that, I, I've started a blog on my website, graphicmemoir.co.uk. Um, indeed, your own book was featured <laughs> on, on that. Uh, that's how we connected. Um, and there are many, uh, there are just so many out there. Um, there are so many on the sense I can't really keep up, but I would say that there's still a fraction of the graphic novels compared to the, you know, the wider history book. So I think mm-hmm. there is, it is, it's still a very much a niche market. Um, and um, yeah, I, I, I still, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, I feel there is still um, uh, a gap in the market in terms of there isn't that many um, graphic novels um, associated with the, uh, British and American uh, troops who served. There's a lot of memoirs, a lot of written memoirs, but not graphic memoirs. Um, really, uh, so I, in fact, I, I, I'm interested in the, I'm, I'm reading uh, Jack Kirby's uh, biographic biography by Tom Scioli uh, that came out a couple of years ago, um, which is really the the life story of, 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 of Jack Kirby. And in that book, it actually documents his... Um, world war ii experience which is really interesting um and it just it just it just struck me that's yeah it's another it's 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 another book about um uh world war ii that's a graphic novel and as, as i said there's not too many of those so yeah it, it, what what in terms of my next project i i think it'll probably be some somewhere along the lines of uh, about a soldier from world war ii but I haven't yet haven't yet uh, got to that point excellent well we can and, and we can follow uh your your journey on graphicmemoir.co.uk that's right and okay. i'm on twitter as uh, uh at jsandler 1978 that's my twitter handle okay excellent well um jonathan thank you so much for chatting with, with me today i really appreciate it thank you thanks for having the, thanks for the time yeah so this has been a conversation with jonathan sandler about the english gi world war ii graphic memoir of a yorkshire schoolboy's adventures in the united states and europe an adaptation of his father's experience in world war ii illustrated by Brian Bicknell. This has been an episode of New Books in History, a channel on the New Books Network. I'm your host, Michael Van of Sacramento State University. Uh, Thank you for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.